Pipes and Mitch. All right, everyone, I'd like to introduce L. Graham, a.k.a. Woods, a.k.a. Woods is the goods. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. It's a nice Sunday in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on. It's it's sunny. It's probably due to have more rain here in Curry Curry. The place so crap they named it twice. So, you know, <laughs> home of mullet first. And I'm actually leaving this place soon. So it's five years coming to an end. But, you know, the best wow. memory the best memory about it would be moving away from the place, I reckon. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, finding you down in Melbourne today. How's it must be good having some some like some freedom back. You know, what a crazy crazy I know. Months yeah. yeah we've um well I, I live sort of in the city and it's just really nice to see everything kind of come back because in the in the thick of it you're like oh maybe this the landscape has totally changed um and people won't come back into the city but people are really loving it like all the Christmas parties and long lunches everyone's out and about it's great yeah so well it's gonna say okay so thanks for coming on um so generally how I do this show is I just go through things like a timeline setup. So I'll talk about if it's okay with you, like your genesis of your music career, how you got started, you know, what the woods is like and what some of her uh, like um, inspirational, like go-to people were during the time and just sort of how things have changed over your career and how COVID's been and, and um, just shoot the shit. What do you say? Yeah, sounds great. Sweet. So you, you probably aren't aware this is a storytelling podcast and it's got two sections. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll delve into the career that is woods shortly, but, I'd, I like to kick things off sort of a bit of an ice-breaking tool and it's a good way to have a bit of a giggle. And uh, it's mm-hmm. good where we get to have a, a whinge wine sook. And I was just wondering, would, would you mind joining me having a bitchy with Mitchie this week? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to ask the, the guests if they'd like to go first or I can. It's up to you. You're welcome to kick it off. Okay. Yep. So during this time of year, I've um, I've, I've just been in packing houses. I've been, you know, shift working for the longest time and, hopefully next year making a new uh new start out in orange i've got family out there and i just wouldn't mind a bit of a change and um i've really noticed that the old brain has been letting me down a little bit so like you know if you go to the shops you do a monster size shop you get home settle in only then you realize oh shit i forgot something and Mm -hmm. like that has been happening to me so much lately Mm -hmm. and um so i guess my bitch is is like the brain just not fully functioning at the time like i I come off work the other day. I was so we we do our shifts at seven a.m. to p.m. and 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 in opposite as well. So we um I work in a coal mine. So when we start our big haul trucks or doses or whatever, you have to beep the horn, and that's when you turn the key to start it, and then you beep it mm-hmm. twice to go forward and so on. So I'll, as I've gone home, put all my things in my car. It's about eight thirty in the morning, and then just as I'm in the car, I beep the car to start it, and there was. <laughs> There was a woman within a few meters and she almost jumped with the trolley. You're an idiot. Why did you beat me? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the bitchy for the week is just need to make sure I have a bit more caffeine before I go about my day, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That forgetting things. I, um, I always do that when I'm packing where you, I always forget socks and then I end up <laughs> buying new socks because I just can't handle shoes with no socks. Yeah. Um, the worst one was we went to Africa in like 2019 and I forgot a hairbrush and I've got pretty long hair. We were there for like three weeks and I was just brushing my hair with my fingers, like using <laughs> them as a comb. And um, oh, it's just the worst. It was like I was just ready to chop it all off. <laughs> but I didn't bring scissors either. Um, but I did bring super glue for I was I brought some like prop headphone things and I, I ended up sticking my fingers together with super glue. So it's important. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> to bring the good stuff like yeah no hairbrush did bring super glue did get stuck um and then i had to use the bark of a tree to get the super glue off my hands so you've gone 
you've gone full MacGyver on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, yeah, sanding my <laughs> my skin. Beautiful. It was a great trip. Um, I guess <laughs> my my beef at the moment is um, the other day I had a sleep in. Um, Alex is an early riser, my partner, and I got to have a sleep in without um, him there. So because uh, he was out of Warrnambool, and um, and I just in my dreams I remember like if I sleep in I have really vivid dreams. And, um, and I just end up working a lot in my dreams. <laughs> and so my, my beef is just that I wake up and I'm like, man, I've just been, I've lived a whole life in like that, you know, 7am to 10, 10am, love a sleep in, but yeah, you know, I, I have those dreams where you're racing to get to a flight or you're trying to drive around and you don't know the suburb. That's, I don't know if that's relatable at all. <laughs> oh, it totally is. Is that so, oh, so dreaming of like, you know, they say lucid dreaming, different things can yeah. mean different. No, I don't, I never really delved much into it, but I find lately it's that I, I've dreamt about being a superhero because I've just been ingesting Marvel and DC comics out the nice. wazoo. And it's like, oh flying? yeah. Flying? Yeah. Dreams of flying and super Good. strength. And it's kind of like, you know, when you, you have that crystallizing moment, you say you're watching, you're at home watching Ninja Warrior, you're seeing all these fit people. And then I look down, I've got this predominant gut and all I see is, oh, I could do that. <laughs> I wake yeah. up and that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to think that I could, um, I could fly when I was little and I would just, I just sort of like lie in my dreams. I just like lie on the ground and then start levitating. Yeah. And, um, and I do remember saying to my dad, yeah, I can do that. And like trying it in front of him in real life and just being like super disappointed. But I mean, that's <laughs> now when you hang out with like a five-year-old, you're like, oh yeah, like that's, you know, it's not that big a deal, but at the time it was mortifying. And, um, oh, the things yeah. you, the things you do as a kid, eh? <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. Um, I was a pretty like, I was a pretty kind kid. I was, I was that uh, neurotic sort of always making sure my my shoelaces were double knotted and always making sure that we were at no, time at appointments. Oh, now I yeah, I mean double knotted shoelaces. That's um, that's just time efficient. You end up um, saving yourself time because otherwise <laughs> they just come undone all the time. And it's like it's efficient now. I wear those uh, those really comfortable poppy slip on shoes, and uh, oh. I tell you. Good. efficiency meets cheap ass <laughs> so it's been fantastic all right i feel oh. good i feel it's nice to just sort of get stuff out in the air and it's a great icebreaking tool all right i love, always like to ask creative especially creative people this question because it always goes off in an amazing direction so take yourself back to as young as you can remember what was the first thing you were ever a fan of whether it was a show a book a series or a musical oh ever a fan of i mean so my dad is um, a park ranger and my mom um, at the time was a marine biologist she now works with like um, ag tech and farmers um, but I think just animals coming from like dad sort of looked after the land and mum the sea so it was very much like I was just so obsessed with um, my pets I had pet dogs and I also had we had like pigs we at different points we'd have like rescue emus or rescue crocs out in the back so I just I remember being little and just being like, because my parents are so, um, you know, into wildlife, that's just, I'm going to be a park ranger too, or like, you know, pass down the badge, yeah. um, I'll be a vet or something. Um, so I love that. And uh, I think, yeah, I, I always really liked music as well. I, um, when I was maybe in grade six, there was this thing called NIE. I grew up in a place called Townsville and they had like this kids, um, what do you call it? It's like a newspaper just for kids in the middle. And it was like on a Tuesday yep. and they had yep. these reviews that you could apply to do as a kid. And I did like a game review and I took in a notebook and I was really like, like avid journalist, like writing down my game review for this Harry Potter game. 
And, um, and then they had like the NIE Kids Awards and I won um, the game review, which was kind of like pretty unheard of just being like a, a little girl playing, like all the guys wanted to do that you know, game review. And um, I think I really liked writing. But then when I won that award, they gave me like a gift voucher for to Wow Sight and Sound, which was like the JB Hi-Fi equivalent up there. Oh, nice. And I just remember just being what like eleven at a at a store that had everything you could want, like all the different technology. And I just that was my first time just buying like a full CD collection, and um, that was awesome. Like that was like I mean I chose weird choices, but <laughs> but you're like. <laughs> Yeah, I had like three hundred dollars to spend on CDs oh, as an eleven-year-old. Absolutely, like, like in Mecca. Like, wow! Yeah, I know. I was like, I am, yeah, like so rich right now. <laughs> um, you, and yeah. Do you remember what game you reviewed? Um, it was Harry Potter. I loved Harry Potter, but it was like a Harry Potter Game Boy Advance game. Ah, oh, cool. So it was like the those like wide. Oh my god, I have like an eyelash in my eye. Um, <laughs> why? Um, yeah, it was like a, one of those wide Game Boy Advances. I had a, I, I was just cleaning out my place because I'm in the process of moving and I had, you know, those ones you can fold open, the Game Boy Advance Plus, I think they were called. Yeah, yeah. And, and awesome. um, I've found, I've got my original Game Boy up there as well, like the old beefy, uh, it's a black one. And I just started a new game of Pokemon Blue version. Oh, amazing. Oh. Yeah, I had like a Game Boy Color. That was like, that was my only game as a kid. And then I got way more into gaming when I got older. But like, that was just like, I had one game. It's like Mario something. And I just completed every level and was like, done, like next. And I didn't really even understand how many other games there were. It's like oh, isn't it funny? Well, you're, you know, you're, as a kid, you know, you're close to, you, you play the cards you see and, um yeah, yeah i was lucky we we had about i had about four or five game boy games and eventually we had it we got a nintendo 64 and pokemon yeah. stadium you could attach uh the the, the like get, insert a cartridge to the back of the controller and you could use your own mm-hmm. Pokemon. it's like marveling at the technology at the time yeah, you look yeah. back and go holy crap it's ancient now but um, yeah, we were talking about land parties the other day how oh, like, i remember having a land parties. Like, like bring their whole computer and like we, in a tassel so hot just like crank the air con there were six of us and we used to play uh it was age of empires 2 it was yeah, counter-strike source and um oh it was a third game we used to absolutely smash all the time or when we had the two xboxes we'd link them and play like um we used to call it uh warthog wars or we'd make eight warthogs and we just around blood gulch and just absolutely tear each other apart unlimited lives it was awesome oh, oh. that's awesome yeah, I, we were playing this game, like a board game called Risk, and we were listening to the um, Age of Empires, like, old soundtrack. <laughs> while we were playing Risk, just like, doo, 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 like it was really good um, to keep us going, to keep the, the fighting spirit alive. Oof. Age of Empires, you need to make, I still remember yeah. the cheat codes for that in the top of my head, I don't yeah. know how. All right, so yeah. talk, talk a bit. <laughs> I want to delve into a bit more about gaming later because you've actually uh, teamed up with a monster franchise uh, for one year, for your most recent album release as a solo artist, not Tornado Club, which we'll talk about later. But for you know, for you, like when you took that three hundred dollars and bought CDs or whatever and whatever else, what was the genesis of your music career, and when did like your love truly start for it? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I think I was always like this kid that like I'd still do it, where it's like I I hum stuff. If like there's silence, I'll like make up stuff, and whether it's when I was little, I'd make up stories. Like I'm an only child and I remember just like walking around 
like under the house I had this sort of like area that I'd play in which was just kind of like a lot of just like weird op shop stuff and things I'd collect and drag into my little room um but yeah like I would always be making up stories or humming to myself or even like saying the stories out loud which is kind of weird now where you're just like walking around and being like blah 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 but I guess maybe that's any only children out there <laughs> um that can <laughs> solidify that uh I'm not alone but um yeah I was just always making up stuff with like myself or with my friends um and it's quite inventive and music was really an extension of that where I didn't like I started playing piano when I was about eight and I was doing like everything that sort of my teacher was telling me and one of my friends Erica who I'm still really good friends with uh she made up a song and I was like I didn't know we were allowed to do that kind of like it just felt like it was cheating the system or something and um she made this it was just like a kind of cool chord progression and I ended up like learning it off of her because she's one of my neighbors and um I wrote a song over the top of it so my first song was like a (laughs) co-write and um and I would just like perform that at like piano concerts or in front of whoever would kind of listen. And it just became really like this thing that I got really excited about because you would sort of play something that you had, you had made up or after that it would be like, I was kind of open the doors to be able to break, break through and make your own stuff up anytime yeah. you want. And um, yeah, and I had some moments where like I would play something like write something that felt really special to me and have people kind of tear up and you'd be like, oh, like I had no idea that's something that, yeah, that I'm writing could have an impact beyond just being like, oh, that's quite good, but also just an emotional impact or feeling less alone. Um, So yeah, I'd say that was the beginning of it. And then when I I saw this show where um, Imogen Heap was part of the soundtrack, who she's an amazing um, singer, songwriter, artist, producer, innovator. Like she does amazing things with tech and now is creating her own like um, streaming services and things like she's amazing. Um, And I saw her and I was like, oh, like that's amazing that someone, like there's a woman who has produced everything herself and written everything herself. And to me, it wasn't, oh, that's a female producer. It was more like, I could do that. That's really cool. Um, I didn't really know that the scarcity of of um, sort of female engineers and creators, which is still quite low. Um, is it? it is growing, but it's still quite low. So, yeah, I'd say I saw that and then started producing my own music just because it was an exciting thing to do and I had stuff in my head that I wanted to get out. And sometimes when you, you work with someone else and you try and articulate that, it can be really hard when you don't have the right terminology or they have a different creative vision for where your song is headed. So yeah, just, I found a lot of independence in producing music and learning how to engineer and yeah. So that was kind of the early stages. Um, And around that time I got like my first MacBook and that has like got Logic Pro, which I still use. Um, Yeah. Good on you for like sticking to your guns and, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to hear that, um, you know, a lot of, so I've interviewed a few creative people on the show and, you know, that, what you just said, like, you know, you could see a part of yourself, you know, in this person and, you know, it's like, oh, hang on, I can, I can do this too. Like this, it's okay for me to, you know, I, I don't need to be the same as everyone else. Like I want to be individualized. I want to be, I want to create. And thanks for doing that because I, I, I'm a, I'm one of a plethora of fans that is enjoying what you're doing. So, you know, good on you and thank you for what you do. It certainly makes me smile. And um, so 
I just I love the the process of making things um and I think obviously music is the big one but like for for me the project that I've built with Woods is like this combination of styling and um helping with the music videos and the the kind of whole world the immersive world around it yep. um the music side is it comes quite naturally but I think I'm just always interested in how things work and the process behind it so yeah nice well, I'm not so creative. Oh, I guess I am creative doing this, but I've all, yeah. I've worked I've worked in a background of sort of like a construction and mining, and um, this job I'm going for it's it, it it matches my two career paths in one. And so mm-hmm. I I look at a project. So I've, I've I've built roads, I've built bridges and stuff like that, and I can drive across them going, you know what? I was part of that. Yeah, you know? it's tangible. And I look at this podcast and go like, people uh, have helped me. Like they've helped me create a form of art, and you know it, I really enjoy doing this. I'm just I, I just say I'm just a little coal miner having a crack and, and it's been great. I've been able to chat to some of the people I admire most, like obviously yourself now. And I spoke to Alex and Matt and yeah, um, you know, I listen to their podcast every day and like uh, Hayley Mary, uh, Greta Rage, for example, like it's just, it's been great. So, you know, I'm grateful obviously to you. So thanks again for coming on, but just how selfless people are that are creative. So, you know, to anyone out there, if, you, if you're thinking about doing, putting a project off or whatever, start doing it you know because you'll feel more accomplished and who knows you could speak to people you or whatever too buy that car go on that trip whatever it might be yeah, yeah definitely and i mean with you with podcasting um like did you find hurdles at the beginning like what what were things that were pushing it back from you starting it um it was well the hardest thing was trying to get traction like what is it going to be about so i started mm-hmm. uh i got i bought all the stuff so i bought a two-way microphone a little laptop and these headphones and I sat there with my stepbrother and we just, cause we always have good banter. I thought, okay, let's, let's start here. And we spoke about, uh, I was going to be about relationships because everyone in their adult life is genuinely almost everyone has dated someone in their time. And we're just sharing stories and I'm like, well, this is going to probably fizzle out fair quick. And <laughs> after five or six episodes of people I knew, that's when I started to, I found a website called matchmaker.fm. And I was told about it and I thought this is a dating site for sure with a name like that. But it, it's kind of like uh, LinkedIn for podcasting. So you can uh, search for a, a, for someone to come on as a guest in a certain topic. So there's authors, there's musicians, there's influencers. Oh, cool. And it's the same for you can search for a show that you might want to go on as well and talk yeah. about like pop culture or music or whatever it is. And through that, I that's where I've sort of got some traction. And then... Mm. I did this crazy thing where I wore a onesie on national TV on the game show mastermind. Oh, and, amazing. And I, I, it, it was a, there's a podcast called fake doctors, real friends, which is a scrubs theme. And Mark Fennell shared a promo video on his socials of me and the onesie. And uh, it went viral, got half a million views or something. And then wow. I got asked to go on the fake doctors podcast, which scrub is my favorite. Show oh, yeah. And then I got is to meet. The one I was chatting about like reviewing yeah, episodes feel- and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. I- yeah, we started. We were listening to it. We were just laughing so much. I love Scrubs. Well, I'm on four nineteen. I got to meet uh, four nineteen. Act- I got to meet the actors who played JD and Turk, and um, wow. I made them laugh for twenty minutes. And then from that, I got a following, and they allowed me to top the charts in three countries on Apple and third on Spotify. It's like all from wearing a onesie, and I was able to. <laughs> and then Mark Fennell Mark came on Fennell. the my show, and we we hit it off well. And it's just sort of then obviously slowly over time, I had Matt, and then. You know, some musicians yeah. and Alex and so it's it's just been 
it's been crazy. Uh, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Top of the charts is like number onesie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I love a good pun. <laughs> Either way, that's keeping me nice and warm. So, oh. That's great. Oh, th- I didn't know that. That's really cool. Because, yeah, I think it is. There's that, that element of just like getting started on a creative project where you're like, oh, it needs to be this fully fledged idea before I start it. Like it needs to be perfect. And really a lot of the times it just, it needs to be um, this real extension of yourself, something you believe in um, and you can start whenever. Like that's, I really enjoy mentoring for that because there's a lot of, I know, emerging songwriters and producers where it's like, oh, I'm waiting for the, you know, this some kind of divine moment where I have the best song ever. It's like, yeah, for sure. But you could also start putting things out and see what works and, and, and learn a lot in the process. Um, mm. Otherwise, there's just so many songs or creative projects or ideas that just sort of live in our heads or on hard drives that just don't get seen. Yeah, um, I, I was speaking yeah. to um, a US Marine and he's a motivational speaker around the world. And he said, I'm paraphrasing here, but his quote was along the lines of humanity will always benefit from people's ideas, whether they're good or bad, they'll always be good to someone. He said, people spend a lot of time looking good for their, uh, their funeral. People want to be dressed in a suit and looking good at their coffin. He says, I don't want to be like that. I want my body to be battered and bruised because I've, I've had a life. I want my legacy to look better than what I do on, on that day. And uh, I was like, well, that resonated with me quite a bit. Mm. And you spoke about like um, mentors and whatever. So for you, who have been some mentors of your of you and your life, both musically and professionally, and who's had a massive influence on you? Oh man, there's quite a few. I actually I saw this um there's this video the other day of Adele talking about her English teacher in high school. Where she was just it was just really beautiful, and it made me email my high school English teacher immediately. And I had to, because it's an email, it's all written and she's an English teacher. It's like, oh, I have to make sure this is like grammatically correct. And yes. <laughs> I always confuse the tenses. But, um, but I would say that I had some amazing um, mentors uh, through, that was Michelle Gillespie and um, Coley, who was my um, piano teacher. She sort of, I'll start there. My piano teacher when I was like eight, um, I did all of the kind of Amy B classical syllabus and um, I liked it, but I, it wasn't like super engaging. I was doing it because I felt I needed to um, or like I was partaking in piano lessons. So you need to practice kind of thing. Um, but when I started doing songwriting, um, both her and my mom just sort of chatted about like, how about if the lessons are more around chords or song structure? And she really came on board and, and really helped me with like working out how you would piece together a song and how to strengthen ideas and also letting me um, perform those songs at like end of year concerts or wherever I could perform. She was like, do it, do it. Like that's, that's how you get better. So that's really, that was one of the first people. And then this amazing um, singing coach called Megan Walsh, who she did both speech pathology and um, opera. And so I did more classical voice and we just got along really well i think that's part of it with your mentors is like there's an element of they believe in you heaps but it's also just being able to hang out and really bounce ideas off one another and um and that was michelle gillespie my english teacher in high school i think she was just this person that absolutely loved the written word and really it was like 
passing on this baton or something like passing on this ability to to use literature or um short stories or monologues or whatever it is whatever you use to communicate um to really uh take that and run with it and yeah. i remember one time i didn't do my homework um we had to do some kind of poem thing and i was like oh, i didn't i didn't do it but i did write a song about it she was like what like it was kind of early on when she didn't know about my songwriting and um and she was like we'll go down to the drama block get a piano and bring it up and perform your homework and it was like such a black and white scenario where i was just like well show me and um and i had to do it in front of everyone which is like pretty nerve-wracking and um and she really liked it and it was just cool to have someone you admire and like it's a little bit scary because you're like man i didn't do this assignment properly but I think she was the big catalyst of like, you know, you can think differently about, you can, you can apply your own way of processing to something and it's not wrong. Whereas yeah. like sometimes in education, it's like, well, like in math, the answer is this. There's no like creative problem solving to get to that. It's like, there's a process. Um, and she was very like, I'd say like lateral thinking was um, a strong point. Um, there's another person I really wanted to. Oh, also one of my best friends, um, Mitch uh, Nordine, he taught me how to produce early on and like we recorded my first EPs uh, together under my name, my own name, L Graham. Yep. And that was just a big one because uh, it was just like learning production for the first time, learning sound engineering. Um, a lot of production is quite experimental for me and I'll see someone do something and then be like, oh, cool. Like you, you just keep pulling things into your toolkit. And now I have that with like my band where we just are always learning new things about the technology and sharing it. So it's kind of this whole community approach, I'd say, yeah. in mentoring where we all kind of pull each other forward now. Um, yeah, I, I like that. And I... It goes back, you know, these old metaphors exist for a reason, but they say, like, it takes a village to raise a kid. Like, oh, it truly totally. does. It truly does. Yeah. Like, I actually caught up with a mentor of mine last week just for a coffee. So Glenn, Glenn Bellardi was a science teacher, and we got assigned a mentor in year 11 and 12, and he was mine. And he, I was 18, I was 17, he was 26. So it was, like, this young, hip, like, guy used to skydive. He was in new martial arts. We thought, this guy's a baller. And yeah. Just like an absolute, like, obviously he's all those things, but at the same time, he just said to me, he's like, so what do you want to do with your life? Yeah. I was like, um, a part of me was like, oh yeah, I want to go to uni and get a, and do a communications degree. He's like, but would you be happy studying? He goes, you don't like studying, do you? I said, not really. He said, we'll go out, make some money. And then if you want to at a later point, do that. And that's when I got an apprenticeship as a road builder and then it's progressed into mining and I can still go back to that. But th this way I can have that creative outlet. I'd like to one day be in radio, like, or, yeah. you know, have this podcast get more popular. But, um, yeah, so it was nice catching up with him again. And so, yeah, like, absolutely agree with you 100%. Like, if you can find someone that resonates with you, no matter their age, mm -hmm. and as you said, pass on the torch. Like, it's kind of like passing on the keys to the car. It's like, you got your P plates now, go forward. Yeah. Have the, have the uh, best time, but don't scratch it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would say, like, a lot of my family members that just love education and love mentoring themselves and it's something I've really enjoyed because I think like I work at my old uni as a, a mentor for like third year and honours students um awesome. I have been that over the pandemic anyway while I'm not touring um and it's just I think a big part of the role is instilling confidence and also just like just showing that your ideas are valid and creating a space for you to like really think up your big dreams 
um and yeah like it just just having like a place to brainstorm and have like like with your mentor it's like well what do you actually want and like just to be heard truly not like what does society want or what does what does your family want or whatever it's just like a a safe space to just be like okay well then how do we get there like if you want to do that like there's steps to getting to that place um if that's if that's the goal you're totally capable um but if you yeah i don't know this people Uh, are afraid what you're saying totally makes sense um and we'll talk a bit more about your music shortly in the next part but I like to ask this question too, and it's interesting the answers. So when you are touring, when it's not the pandemic or when, when you were going to Queensland or mm. see your family, um, what's a guilty pleasure that you can't, you can't live without when, or if you go to Africa or wherever you might be uh, around, is there anything? Um, I mean, I love in an ideal scenario when we tour, I really like going to art galleries. <laughs> like if I can have, if I can get there early, so it's a guilty pleasure. It's tricky because I feel like, say with guilty pleasure, you could be like, oh, Taylor Swift, listening to Taylor Swift is my guilty pleasure. But it's like, no, I love Taylor Swift. No <laughs> guilt. Um, I love going to art galleries. No guilt. Like getting rid of guilt is a, a really good one. Um, I mean, sometimes it's like, I guess a guilty pleasure where I actually do feel a little bit of guilt is like end of the show. I want to say hello to like my fans or community that are there. Then I just really want to go to bed. <laughs> I just like I'm like, done. I'm like, See you later. I am done. Like I'm ready to go to sleep, and um, and I do feel guilty sometimes because it's like we could go out and do this or that. But as a vocalist, it can be really hard, especially if you're doing three dates in a row. It's like either I go home to bed, which is awesome and really good for my voice, or I go out and do all these things, which is like fun. But yeah, there's like there is guilt, but also I think it's legendary status to just go to bed. <laughs> So, so it's ball up. Okay, after this, I'm, I'm having a nap. <laughs> and, and <ball> up. <laughs> How good. No, I, mm. it, it's, and it's, it's just that thing. Like when I'm you know, doing a block of shifts, like I don't, the last thing I want to do is go out for beers because we have to, you know, there's consequences. We have to blow zero in the bag every morning. And, you know, if, you, if there's, if you go out for a few beers, you're like innocently seeing friends and then you like wake mm. up. Oh no. And then you got to go through the rigmarole of, oh this is this sucks and yeah anyways it's not sometimes it's not worth it so pick your battles and a good night's rest i had 11 hours sleep last night for the first time in forever that's so good that's almost like half the day i like i had a i went out it was my birthday this week i went out for a few beers friday night and um yeah uh, just yes all day yesterday i was an absolute couch potato and it's like now i'm done playing halo it's like yeah and I'm still up fairly late, so oh, I better probably yeah I'll call it. So I was like, "Yep, yeah, pack her up, boys. See you later." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a, actually a really good thing that the pandemic has taught at least like myself and a few of my friends we've been talking about like just boundaries and just being like, "Hey, like work exists here, and I need to have a life in here as well." But like there can be kind of a more clear divide, or just even just saying, "I oh, actually I just I'm gonna stay in and do this." because it's better for my body yeah uh, that's, <laughs> that's right. totally fine yeah where it's like sometimes like as soon as things all started opening up and it's like i have all these options i have all these like pressing things where it's like i need to see these people i haven't seen these people blah 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 and it can get like a lot whereas just being like oh actually like i'm just gonna stay in and play halo totally valid <laughs> that's music to, absolute music tomorrow yeah, yeah, do it. first thing Choose i did the- first thing i wanted to do was because uh, we were locked in not as long as what uh, down as it was down there but we had a lockdown and first thing I just went straight to the gym 
Um, yeah. I'm nowhere near because I'm in the powerlifting. I'm nowhere near where I used to be, but it was nice to release those endorphins, get that dopamine hit. And totally. I regretted it because I was I overdid it. So oh no, my shoulders gone here. Anyways, yeah. things you do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I want, like bit by bit, bit by bit. That's it. So oh, a small man, victory. Powerlifting. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's, my I, upper body strength is like. I don't know. I don't know how I lift cases on tour. Like I'm just using the wrong muscles. I'm just maybe maybe that's the source of your strength is the you know the the big cases between gigs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to get rid of I had this old keyboard that was like amazing to play in my studio, but awful to to tour with because it's just like it's like dragging around this, I don't know, like a coffin or something. It's so big. <laughs> yeah, I could like crawl into it and just like have a nap. It was so long and big and um yeah the amount of times like it's throughout my manager's back it almost yeah it's it's almost thrown out friends back so it's just like it was just so silly that i got this really small keyboard and then went into lockdown for like two years so <laughs> nice nice <laughs> oh yeah it blindsided me i had when lockdown i i had plans to go overseas and um anyways things you yeah, do yeah hopefully be back I want to yeah look Sorry. after you back everyone um yeah i'll tell i want to delve into your music specifically after this one question, because I really wanted to ask you this. Okay. So one of the reasons I'm a big fan is obviously it's the, the, the your voice is incredible and I'm truly like in awe of people who can play everything. So you're also a multi-instrumentalist and a percussionist. Mm-hmm. Take yourself back. Do you remember the first instrument you picked up or the first sort of um, project you oh. worked on? where you sort of, you learned something new or does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, my dad is a really amazing multi-instrumentalist as well. He plays, he's mainly in the string instrument variety. So he plays guitar and um, he has banjos and mandolins and uh, I think they're called bazookis. It's not a bazooka, but bazooki. It's like a middle ages like sort of yeah, like, instrument, like isn't it? Thing. Yeah. And, um, and he just, he's a collector of, a beautiful like old wooden instruments that's like his his big hobby is collecting bob dylan records and collecting um anything that resembles a guitar um and so i sort of i'd say my first instrument that like he would play guitars i was going to sleep and stuff when i was a kid um which is so lovely and i just didn't i didn't quite understand the guitar because i guess what i like about the piano is everything's mapped out right in front of you you can see it's like, this is C major, I get it. Whereas the guitar is, is all stacked on top of one, one another and um, that can be a bit confusing. Um, it's more about learning muscle memory and learning the shapes, I suppose, or potentially like learning your favorite songs on the guitar um, and then getting that validation from your friends and be like, sweet, I'm gonna learn another song on the guitar. Oh. Um, so yeah, guitar was the first one and I did not love it. And <laughs> I sort of left it to my dad to be like the, the king of that. And um, when I started learning piano, that was awesome. It made sense to me and I really liked how it felt. Like when we got an actual upright piano in the house, I think having that, you play a note and the harmonics come back at you and it's just like this wall of beautiful sound. You can't really play it wrong. Um, you can just tinker around and it just sounds beautiful. Yep. Um, then I learned percussion. So uh, in like maybe grade five or something at school, you could go into different instrument groups like brass or whatever and percussion i just thought it was i honestly thought it was a bit of a joke because i'd been playing piano with two hands and when you play mallet percussion you have two sticks and 
you play one melody, like when you're starting percussion and uh, like a glockenspiel that like metallic. Oh, that takes me back. Yeah. We, we, we learned the glockenspiel and the recorder at the exactly. same time in year seven and eight. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you're like, the glockenspiel is a piano that you hit with two sticks. And I was like, this is a joke. Like that they'd be like, play this melody and you're just like ding 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 and on the piano that's just your right hand going one two three four five yep. and so that just came really naturally to me and I I thought I was like cheating the system or something because it was like how how is this so that was really easy but we had to also do snare drum and do drumming and mallet percussion so it would alternate week to week and the snare drum was really quite challenging because you learn like rudimentary things and rhythms and get really tight with that and then when we do mallet percussion it was like i didn't really have to practice um and so and i grew up in townsville so there weren't actually that many percussionists that i suppose there was like a couple of teachers but there weren't that many um people who were able to do like the orchestra pits or the the amateur sort of the local orchestra um, so, um, because I, I treated percussion really seriously and, um, just found it exciting and, um, quite natural to do, I ended up doing like orchestra pits and doing a lot of musicals. Like I did Sweeney Todd, Boy From Oz, um, Beauty and the Beast, just like, I loved musicals and getting to be in the orchestra pit and like all the other people in the pit were, um, sort of like professional musicians on like the violin or like. Again, it felt like, is this a joke that I'm here because I'm in early high school or mid, like 14, um, surrounded by all these really amazing instrumentalists. But it was just, there was a shortage of percussionists. And um, yeah, and then I did like the Australian um, Youth Orchestra program and a couple of things that took me interstate with percussion because yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it, treated it seriously. And, um, and I really wanted to be in like the Lion King, they have, an amazing percussion, like two percussionists on the stage. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's my dream job. And then, yeah, I just sort of felt like, oh, I, I enjoy writing music a lot and like playing other people's music is is really cool. But like there's something quite intoxicating about um, creating your own things. And so, yeah, I got into producing music and it all kind of just fused in. I still do some percussion in my live show and, um, when I first started the Woods show, I had a vibraphone on stage, which is an amazing instrument. It's like a, sounds like Harry Potter kind of bells. Like it's beautiful and it has this like warbly sound. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's a long winded answer. Good. <laughs> uh, this is exactly what we want. We want prolific storytelling done, <laughs> done the right way. And it's, it's the same in your songs as well. You're a fantastic storyteller. So hearing all that, it sounds like one, you know, you're teenage Woods teenage L kid L is like progressing through doing what she wants and like she's achieving that goal and it sounds to me like you were destined to be on this path and no matter what you did so you know power to you that's great I've I've tangented more times than I could count I should have been a maths teacher fair dinkum but like yeah it's nice to no no, it's good they're good you don't just it's just it's nice to hear that you know the trajectory you wanted to go on you're doing and you know and you you know I've said I've spoken to a lot of creative people, um, comedians, um, actors, uh, musicians, and they said that you know one thing that keeps it fresh is to spin many plates and to quote unquote stay relevant, and you're doing that. Another one, another skill that you have that not many people might be aware of is that 
you're also a big fan of fashion and you incorporate that into your live shows and your film clips. So where did the, the inspiration come from? In your, in the Because I know nothing about fashion. So if this question doesn't make sense, where did that interest come from? I just know I look good because I'm wearing my Woods is the Good shirt today. Yeah, yeah, so good. That's awesome. Um, fashion, I mean, again, my friend Erica, who I said, like, did my first co-write with, um, she just laughs because she's like, I can't believe that's L from primary school because I would wear, like, board shorts and, like, I just, I think I just was quite a tomboy um, and I never owned heels or... I just didn't really care for fashion, to be honest. Like, it was just like, I, I think even as L, I really like clothes that are super functional and that have a long life where, like, they don't fall apart. I don't have to iron them. I don't have to do some kind of... I hate ironing. I hate it. Ooh. Yeah, ironing's the worst. And, like, um, yeah, I don't want to have to do all this, like, hand washing and stuff. It has to be a really good item. Um, if I'm going to go dry clean or hand wash. So as L, it's like functional stuff that I can chuck in a suitcase that will keep lasting until it turns into, you know, sleepwear and then <laughs> maybe turns into a rag in the shed. Like <laughs> these have a long, which is not, a, you know, a fashion story. It's not like, that's not your Coco Chanel um, fashionista, like, uh, I don't know. Um, but I think, oh, I, I got into fashion, I suppose, there was this amazing uh, designer called Caitlin Aslett who did like felt design in Townsville. And I used to go and organize her studio. She had all of these beautiful wools and I just loved all the textures. So I would organize all of her wools in like rainbow order on her shelf and like sweep up her studio and would listen to like Harry Potter on like they had those books. There's like Stephen Fry reading Harry Potter. It was so good. Uh, but we would just listen to that and she would make these designs and I would just organize everything around her. And, uh, we just had a really great sort of relationship where I, it was like work experience on holidays and yeah, nice. she did this collection for, it was like some kind of fashion festival, but we, she did a shoot where it was me and this girl from school and, um, and we wore her designs and the all of the photos were like quite like i don't i don't know i look a certain way in real life but then when there's photos it's like there's different angles or whatever they got excited about it and um those photos ended up being in sort of like the local paper and then being her business cards and then part of her big collection and my face kind of became synonymous with her brand um which is exciting because i was just maybe 16 or 15 and it wasn't something like i've i felt really silly like doing the modeling thing but uh yeah it was it was like kind of just dressing up and make believe and it, the shoots were really fun and creative and I ended up working with that photographer a lot in Townsville and then finding other photographers to work with and just doing test shoots and things um and I actually when I was like 16 or 17 I kind of as a joke went into the auditions for Australia's Next Top Model and got really far in that process um and that was just, it was just kind of eye-opening because it was like uh, something that I didn't really know I could do. And then I guess came down to Melbourne and I was modelling all through uni alongside doing music. So I met a lot of creative teams and photographers and just love the idea that you work with a stylist, a photographer, maybe a creative director or um, a specific, you go location hunting and you work out the different angles and what time you need to be there for the best light or 
what lighting we need in order to achieve certain results. It's again, that process thing that I really enjoy. And the idea that you can just work with a group of people to create this imagery that looks like it's from another planet or another place or, uh, and just turning a, a regular environment into something cinematic and really vivid. So yeah, I got into that and I'd say now with Woods doing a lot of styling or creative direction or location scouting or any of that stuff, it's just something that's, that's really fun to do. So I don't think of it too much as like this big fashion statement perhaps, but I find a lot of confidence from fashion and I really do enjoy making a whole new outfit for a whole new tour and making it this big immersive experience, which definitely me and my community of fans have come to, you know, it's kind of, again, synonymous with that kind of woods name. The woodlings. We'll talk about the woodlings soon, but, um, you know, it's, for example, like some of your works, say when you released Crystal Ball album, um, you know, you got your, what I would describe as like you're holding a sword in one of the photos. It's like this, what, medieval style um, mm. series of photos and you know, you're wearing the armor and the dress and you know that sort of creative fantasy uh sort of vibe it's shot quite well i'm i'm, I'm not a an expert when it comes to things like that but you know it's very appealing you're like oh hang on what's this you're scrolling through hang on whoa that's cool mm. and like you just in some of your film clips as well it, it, it shows that you know you you need what i have been told is that you need like to be individual you need to be your own thing and if it's your creative outlet then do what feels good and if you know, yeah. if you find your creative outlets being met by creating these amazing visuals and like creating outfits, then power to you. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. The, all the armor was really good. That was originally in like March. We were, we, we had all planned to do this massive like 300 person fight scene for yeah. a Woods film. Yeah. And then, of course, there's COVID and there's also you can't have 300 people anywhere. So, but that was sort of the extension of the armor was these big plans with like having this big announcement of the album with a huge fight scene. <laughs> um, maybe I'll use that in future things, but um, please yeah, do. That'd a, be sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I was so excited because we're like, all right, you'll come from the east. <laughs> we'll meet at dawn. Um, so good. Um, and then at the I, end, you you fight for like the CD or something. You raise it up. Yeah, raise Touch it up. Sun glare. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh that's that's great unlocked <laughs> yeah that and then like if they do it correctly there's a little bonus song they can find or whatever yeah oh i'd love that yeah so yep. you know as as we've spoken a bit about your timeline so you've been recording artists for about what six years or so um yeah so you know when it came to finally putting your music out into the stratosphere um, going through like Triple J on Earth, that's where I first heard you. And mm. you know, as you're starting out, what are some of the hurdles one can go through as a, like as starting out as an aspiring musician? Do you think? Um, I mean, there's heaps. And like when you were saying before, how it's like, you know, you set out to do something, and it's all like this. I don't know this trajectory that seems like it all makes sense. It's like there's no clear path for a creative, let alone you know, an independent musician. Um, when I like I've been doing this for I guess six years and year one Spotify came to Australia <laughs> um you just you're I guess with like COVID and everything the idea of pivoting has just been second nature to us where we just keep pivoting and when there's a new platform you're like all right let's move let's do this let's do that where do I spend my energy um where do yeah where do I want to spend my time and energy and and 
what a what can I get out of that um that will help people hear my music um the hurdles I would say um I would say like the biggest one is kind of like financial around even like getting the right equipment or being able to travel and take on opportunities and at the start it was really hard like you'd have like a second job and you're like I do this like just trying to find that space where you have that non-guilt time where you're just like be free a creative person but you're also having to pay your rent and you're um it's it's not like you're living off of music um and I think like you just have to yeah, at the start, just make as much music as possible. Um, some other things that were hurdles, I suppose. It's like, it's hard doing the overseas thing. Again, I'd say it's financial, <laughs> but it's, um, there's just so many different options. And it's like, where do I spend limited resources? And like, if I could do it all again, it's like, would you buy your full touring equipment on day one that you have now? Like some people do that if you have lo- like lots of money. But as as I went each year, I'd like, get a new thing that would make the live show better and get a new keyboard that would not break my back <laughs> and get a new, you know, like. Always a, always a good option not to break the back. That's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, there's a part of it where I'm like, no, it's all about the journey and I'm glad the way that I did it. But it's also just, um, if you, when I'm mentoring now, it's like I have now got an experience where I can show you how to take six months out of your process. like don't do this thing because that took me six months to learn yeah, okay. um, because um, and some of that could just be like, yeah, just, I don't know. You could do a lot of different shows and they're not the right fit for you or you could do, I don't know. It's, there's lots of little things that you could try and pinpoint, but um, I'd say it's all been positively propelling me forward. And there's so much stuff I know now where I think of like early meetings or early releases where I'm just like, oh, I had no idea what, high rotation then or a rotation b rotation all the different um places that you can can put your stuff like really just uploaded to unearth organically and now just have this amazing uh respect for like the whole core triple j unearth team where it's like if you upload your stuff to that platform there will be this dedicated group of uh, like lovely people that will listen to your music give you feedback and try and give it as many opportunities as possible um and at the time it was like oh yeah I've heard about this I'll do this um yeah so I don't know there's an element of luck and there's an element of just putting out what you believe is the best thing and just trusting your gut on that yeah nice Uh, yeah yeah. so what as you've progressed on um as an artist from sort of early woods days like say around the time you put out the woods EP up to when crystal ball even even to now to tornado, tornado club um at, as you've grown what are some of the differences when you're recording and writing music compared to say when you were starting out do you think oh man um well I've been having because I've been writing a lot this last six months like a I guess this last 12 months but like a lot a lot a lot this last six months and it's been really liberating to just say uh like to, that confidence of trusting your gut and just I I think through going through this whole pandemic process and feeling that there's an element of just lamenting plans that could have happened or, uh, you know, being quite isolated, this and that, I feel like I'm, I'm able to process it and I'm able to just be quite free with that process where it's not, I'm not digging for something that's like 
it needs to be something I'm just creating for the sake of creating. And I think at the start of Woods, I was doing that at the start of like the Thor and Rise and all of those wonderful songs. It's like I had no idea what I was doing. And as you get further along, you can be like, oh, will this work for radio? Or like I need a song to tour with or something like that. And really, I just love making things and um, and sharing this like sharing something that someone could say, hey, like I, I resonate with that or that that applies to me. Like that's the best bit. And that's sort of really missed throughout COVID. So I'd say it's just like being a bit free with it. Also, when I'm recording vocals now, at like this last, I don't know, the last like six songs I've recorded final vocals for have just been, I do it a couple of times and I know I'm like, that's it. That was it. Like my voice might break a little bit or my voice, or I just sing, sing it better than I have in the past. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm like, that's it. I don't sing it like 60 times. Which is just really nice. I don't know. I think so you've, there's, gained, there's you've like gained traction. Element. You've gained traction, and now it's sort of like so. Now that you've got you know your foot's in the door, and you know as you propelled forward over the years, it's not about mm-hmm. like trying to find relevance, quote unquote. It's about mm. tailoring your songs as to where it'll best suit you. You know, as you said, what yeah. would be best for a live show? What would be best on radio? What would be the best way? You know, as you as I'm sure we'll talk about. I wanted to ask you about Crystal Ball too, but. Um, mm. It's about yeah, like also more so than like releasing. It's more like at the moment, it's just trusting my gut and yep. being like, "Hey, that was a good performance," and just like a little pat on the back and be like, "Yeah, that can go out." And yeah, that's that's really exciting to me because it's I think in terms of something that you've learned from the beginning, it's like, "Oh, I I really enjoy this and I'm good at it." I'll um like not be hard on myself and just be like, "That was a great performance," or "That was a performance that needed to be," and. I prefer to put out things and have that vulnerability be in it than it be some perfect crystallized gem, um, yep. I suppose, which is just a nice. Oh, I guess having, having the ability to recognize, you know what, that was great. Like that's, that's mm. I think, a, a great thing to have and also to go, well, hang on. Very hard okay. Well, we can be our own worst critics. Um, yeah. But that'll also give you, I think, an edge over other people because if you're, you're yourself a uh, finding things that you need to work on, you know, then that makes you want to be a better at, at what you do. And then by doing that, you can only go from strength to strength, in my opinion. And, um, you know, like I, I just, I'm the same, like when it comes to bettering myself, so say if I'm operating a piece of gear and it's like, okay, well, I have to move this much dirt or whatever. And I have mm-hmm. to, I have this amount of time to do it. I love it. that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, you, there are there are techniques of digging you can do or pushing with a dozer or whatever mm-hmm. that's going to be more time efficient and allow you to free yourself up later. So it's just it's about being efficient and it's about being proficient too and prolific and you know that's that's just how mm-hmm. I'd like to go about things and and it's the experience like on day right. one it might have taken you I don't know a couple of days to move the pile but then you're like okay I know the the right tools for the job I know how to like. I just drop into a session, do this, record that and be like, no, I want it this way. And it's that like just being quite direct and having that experience backbone where you're like, okay, that was it. Yep. Um, it doesn't, I don't have to overwork it or like, yeah, lift it by hand or whatever. I can't believe I just compared open cut mining to recording music. That would be the first yeah. comparison ever, I think. <laughs> it's process. I get it. So yeah, fair enough. I'm just thinking to myself, oh, Mitch, you're an idiot. <laughs> so right. when you were, so as you've, as you've gone on, uh, recently 
uh, Crystal Ball, your your most recent released album as a solo artist, um, just had mm-hmm. its one year anniversary. So congratulations. Thank you. And um, I wanted to ask you, whilst uh, it was being released, and well, you might be able to tell us more about this, but as it was coming out, uh, you actually teamed up with Minecraft and were streaming uh, video games on the on the service Twitch. And so can you tell us a little bit about like the process of Crystal Ball and the relationship with Minecraft and the project you worked on with them? Yeah, I mean, so I had lots of plans for 2020. Um, and yeah, and COVID. my album was, yeah, ready for, it was ready like 2019, my record. And I I decided to push it back to March 2020, which is just like just ridiculous, so silly. Um, but one of the things I really wanted to do was to build a server for my community of woodlings and fans to hang out in. And like having a Discord was really important, uh, which is a great. Uh, are you on Discord? Uh, I am on Discord, but I don't use it much. It's so like for those of you who aren't aware, it's it's a place where you can go and interact and feel feel safe to know that there are people that are like minded to you and can discuss things like artists or a game or I, I most of my Discords I'm on I I love speaking about new release comics and stuff like that. But yeah, it's mm. like it's a place on the internet where everyone it's kind of like an online Comic Con, I suppose you could. Yeah, everyone's it's, a, it's kind of it's I think it's one of my favorite forms of social media to be honest, because it's like, it is, it's not a one-sided dialogue because one of the things I get annoyed about, I suppose, even on Facebook, I have like a Woodlings group, um, just sort of a... Which I'm part of. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So it's like, but it just feels like, it's like, hi guys, like this is what's happening with Woods. Like, but I really would like it to be like what's happening with you and like what are your favorite songs or it's just like this back and forth like meeting the people that support me to be an artist is is important to me and discord is kind of you can be like this is what music we're all listening to or this is this is a woods release and then people like i'm listening to it here i'm here or like i'm over in germany i'm and that's just cool also in that i'm on like grimes's server and montaigne server and um hana and glass animals and I go on and it's like, I was at the forum show in 2017. And then other people were like, I was at that show too. And there's something quite beautiful about the yeah. idea that we were all standing in the sea of people and we all have a reason why we were there on that night. And it'll never happen again with exactly those people, but you can connect with them again. And obviously you have good taste because <laughs> you're at the glass animal show and, um, Great artist. You just get to chat about, yeah, like you get to chat about other music and it's just been a really, it's almost like walking into a room of people as opposed to just watching these like very highly curated grids and, you know, and, and I like that about TikTok too, where it's, it's just a bit more organic and free and you just throw stuff out there and people throw stuff back at you. It's yeah. not, um, yeah. this, this is my dream life. Um, which we all know is not good Super, for us. It can us be very superficial, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not good to see. It's not good to partake in. And it's this really, it feels, it can feel quite complex as a as an artist where you know that social media is where you need to be to let people know about your music. But you also just, it's not, I don't know, as a human, you're a bit like, ah, sometimes. Um, so yeah. Discord is great. And 
another thing I really wanted to do was like a Minecraft server where I've had one with my friends for a while. Uh, and it's just a cool way to hang out and you can chat on discord, like a group phone call, or you can, um, just chat in the game using text. And I also really wanted to try out a platform called Twitch, which is sort of game streaming primarily, but there's been a growing number of musicians that are on the platform that are making music from scratch or working on an idea or doing their final vocals and things like that. And it's a subscription service, sort of like Patreon, um, where um, you can support a creator and yep. and they sort of provide an entertainment source. So all of these things kind of combined where I wanted to try all of them, but I was going to go into a big year of touring and going overseas and releasing my debut album. So it was like, oh, we won't really have time for all of them, but let's just kind of dabble. And then when the pandemic happened, it was kind of like, well, I can't plan in the real world, but I can plan in Minecraft. So uh, I I just went full into that and I didn't expect to spend as much time or energy on it, but it really worked out where um, Mojang, who are the creators of Minecraft, got in touch and were really into the project and ended up sharing it with all of their socials, which is like um, millions of millions of people around. Yeah, it was great. In a time when, you know, you can't get out to new audiences, it was a way of doing that digitally. Yeah. And um, and also Minecraft. Have you played Minecraft? Yeah, I played well, my uh, nep- yeah. young nephew and I had a session not just a few weeks ago and uh, got creative. He's like, this is the, are you showing me how to play it? And I was like, oh, yeah, so we, we built a castle and, it was good fun and you know you get to see it's a good way for for people to be creative and you know if you want to yeah. create something and go you know it's, i'll spend hours on this and if you're in that space you can appreciate you know some yeah. people's designs definitely and i in throughout the process because there's a lot of people who like haven't um played minecraft before i got like more rat alice ivy montaigne didiri um roe and eilish gilligan um they all came into the server and i would be like we have to build a castle in an hour and everyone would come back with a totally different thing and i think it's great and then it's great for kids but it also my friends who have their own server they're doing this stuff with redstone and almost like coding slash engineering in the game where they have like a bridge that builds it's a it's an ice bridge that builds itself using like i don't know like it's just like you can go real hard on like it, it can be quite nerdy or you can go like just really nice creative, like I'm just going to build a farm and um, and have a peaceful life. So it's, it's uh, I think there's a reason definitely why it's like, I think it's one of the most popular games, if not the most popular game um, in the world. Yeah, it'd be Maybe up there. Everyone's it's heard up of it. There. It's either like, you know, first, second or third, because it's like, it's, it's the most popular. I've, I feel like I had these stats, but it's like, anyway, it's like, it's up there. Mm. um and i think that's just because you can you can use it in schools you can use it um like it, it's just a really nice way of of learning about gaming yeah and, and you can yeah. turn it you can turn down the monsters as well you don't have to play it like where you just die <laughs> <laughs> and what, I'll, what i'll do at the end is i'll i'll get a link to like the discord the, the your website your socials and tiktok yeah. and just awesome. talking i just got tiktok and i've made a few and i've got a few giggles but do you think in this day and age of like I won't quite say post COVID because we're nearly there. So, you know, with COVID and platforms like TikTok and, and Twitch, do you think going forward as an artist, a lot more, 
online shows will become more mainstream, do you think? Or do you because you think because it's COVID they've had to resort to that? Or do you think it'll continue on as being as popular as it is? It's tricky. Like we have this, these discussions all the time. Um, I think there's probably an environment where there are online artists, purely online artists, and they live in parallel to people who are very live music focused and um, platforms like TikTok where you have these like quite big creators and um, and people who sing into their phones really intimately and it's it's quite it's just it's comforting and um or you get to see like their full process I think that's great and there's definitely that can bridge over into gaining fans and gaining traction but um sometimes like the different platforms don't necessarily like you you could be really massive on TikTok and have no Spotify streams or you could be really massive on TikTok and not sell any tickets um in your hometown like it's there's still this sort of a lot of uncertainty around it, I suppose, but it's undoubtedly an important tool for any new music or like, if you look at what's charting in the world or in Australia, it's all completely led by TikTok because that's just, that's where the next generation is. And that's where like you have these like viral moments with music. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I think, yeah, it, in my case, it's like the different platforms living in harmony where I could be touring and you're know, posting videos on all different places. But I think there is this element of fatigue with it where you just work out which platform you organically feel like you're excited about or your fans are on. And like for some artists, having a Discord won't make sense. And for other artists, having a Twitch won't make sense. And some people are really good at TikTok, so be there. Um, but if it's such just feeling like it's, you know, you're doing it because you have to. And the, yeah, it, it for me, it just keeps coming back to the music has to be really good. Yeah, and fair enough. And you can kind of, you can do whatever because it's like the music is great. Um, so I need, yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky one. Um, and I think there's this other element with live shows where being at a live show and knowing that there's like risk or there's there's only that one moment where you know woods is in melbourne performing that record that's it there's like this finite time and that's what will you're like oh i want to take a friend with me or i want to like i want to bring in and then you get those people like discovering you for the first time like that's whereas with a digital show you might just be saying hey everyone you already follow this so here's something you don't get those like newer newer fans where you bring along friends all that feeling of risk where it's like oh well this will be up on the internet for the next week there's no there's no urgency so yeah yeah. it's it's tricky with live online shows because i i love them i did one called delivered live at the start of everything and it was the first show that um everyone's grand like from my band everyone's grandparents came to um people could turn it up or down it was very inclusive it was accessible um people from all around Australia tuned in and uh, people were able to buy merch as you were playing and people were able to have a chat going as you're playing. So people were like, I'm here from this, I'm here from that. And there's that sense of community where I was like, oh, this is something extremely special. But maybe it's like having one of those a year where it's like, you don't want to, yeah, yeah that's... It, it's too much. It's like, 
the, that fatigue thing where it's like, oh, there's so many live streams. I just want to go play Halo. That's <laughs> <laughs> then sleep. Then go to sleep. To bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's um, it's funny. So I, I resonate with what you said because like there, there doesn't seem to be a winning equation. It's it's you know a younger generation might tend to go with technology based, whereas like people like myself, I'm in my I'm in my early thirties and don't get me wrong. I, I love seeing uh, like a streamed giga. I've watched a few online and, um, but I love live music. I, that's, that's why I love speaking to musicians such as yourself. Like uh, one of the, one of the gigs I went to just before lockdown was an intimate show that Boo Seeker did up here in Newcastle. And um, it was unreal. Like there was probably 80 people in the room and they were mm. doing their thing. And um just there with other people that, you know, you, you're vibing with and you hear this, you know, now we're going to play, I don't know, gold say, fuck yeah, yeah. And like, you just, yeah. you, the patrons, you're there amongst it. And um, mm. yeah, like, so I'm, oh, I enjoy like a live show. I'm actually going to be in Melbourne next week. I'm coming down for the um, live oh, podcast. Oh, with... the yeah, I'll see you there. Yeah, that's sweet. Awesome. That'd be great. I, I I spoke with Alex. He's like, yeah, man, we'll, we'll share a pint. So that'd be good. And yeah. I've been meaning to get oh, down there. Cool for a while and um um yeah like i i've had i've been on their show uh, quite a few times and they, i was the one they tried to set up on an online date with and oh, and uh, you know so they've been on my show as well i just i want to i have never actually met them properly in the flesh and it'd be nice to if you're there like good to meet you as well and you, you can yeah. as, as lovely as it is speaking to someone through a screen it's still through a screen you know yeah. like, but it's that thing where you, I guess you make the best of what you have at the time. And this damn pandemic um, mm. has made a lot of people, even companies I know, people can still, like they can go into work at the office or they can stay at home. Like they have the option now. And yeah, so, exactly. It's changing, yeah. I think there's like, there's some really big changes that I don't think it will go fully back to normal. It's hard to like fully know, but yeah. And everything's sort of going more online in a way that like it could It'd be hard to know whether it flicks back entirely. It's, it's definitely disrupted a lot of things. And, you know, and some, thing, some great things can happen. So speaking about like um, using online to your advantage, I wanted to speak to you about Tornado Club. So you, yourself and Danny Harley, aka the Kite String Tangle, who is a, another very talented musician from Brisbane, um, mm -hmm. you've formed up and you've created Tornado Club and mm -hmm. you released an EP, Reset, earlier this year. Um, yeah. 12 masterclass songs, some stripped back versions of other songs and some originals. And I wanted to ask you, and I've got written in here in brackets, make sure you do this. It gets a chef's kiss from me because oh, it's okay. just, it's great audio. I was actually just vibing it this morning, getting in, in the mood. And um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, how did this collaboration start and um, working through lockdown, how has it been recording and, and creating the project? Um, oh, it's been, it's been so good. I, uh, I've been a big fan of the cut string Danny uh, for a long time and I still kind of pinch myself that like we get to make music together and I know as a collaborator on the Woods project we did um, Close together and we wrote that in like three hours and, um, and full like finished vocals, finished everything and um, that was... Wow. That's got to be some sort of record. I know. And I was like, it's just when you meet someone where you're like fully in tune, where we did, as we've gone on, we've worked out how many like similar influences we grew up with, where it's like, 
if you like the exact same bands at the same time, but you don't even like, we didn't even know each other. Like you're, you're just living these simultaneous music lives where um, even like Death Cab for Cutie or Coldplay, um, but then there's like Seagrass and now what we listen to is like Tourist and um, I don't know, Fred again and Bicep, a whole bunch of stuff where it's like, oh, I had no idea that you also liked this. And um, and that just like when you're working with a collaborator where you have that many similar influences, it, it seeps into what you make undoubtedly. And um, so, yeah, we just end up making stuff quickly and we're both just like, this is great. And that's just exciting because sometimes doing we've both been doing solo projects for a while and you can be like, does this represent me or like, what is this? Where does this fit? And with Tornado Club, it's been, is this good? Yes. <laughs> and then it's like, well, let's put it out. Um, and that's really the most important thing. And like we've done everything from the first sound to the final mix uh is all done in-house and then all of the visuals i we fortunately got up to brisbane last like january and i i styled everything and we did music video three acoustic videos like we just got in and just did everything in one go and that was just very exciting because sometimes those things can take a long time and by i think because we both have the experience of doing solo projects we knew what to what was required and what we wanted to achieve for launching a new thing um in terms of the music itself i arrived to his studio in like 2019 at the end of the year and i'd just come off of the client liaison tour which was 12 dates and i could barely speak i could barely sing because it had just been so much singing and we had gone out the night before because it's the final night of the tour and so (laughs) (laughs) that thing where i was like i won't go to bed but it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) I will not go to bed. Uh. <laughs> it's not what I want to do, but I'm going to go out. And um, and so I got to the studio. Oh, well, like Danny had messaged me and said that, like, hey, just heads up. And he let me know that his um relationship of, like, nine years had just broken oh, down. Shit. And so, yeah, which was pretty full on. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just – do you want me to fly back to Melbourne like I, you just need to deal with like that's that's bigger than you know yeah for sure us writing some wood songs or something yeah and when I so and he was like actually to be honest I just want to keep busy and um just like work through work through it and I think yeah it's that thing like keeping your hands busy keeping your mind busy rather than being fully immersed in it yeah and um so we did it and got to the studio we're like let's not write about this let's write um something really upbeat and well and i couldn't sing so it had to be him singing it um and we started writing this song called intuition which is track one on the ep and we had this like bass bit that was really fun and upbeat and then it started just it literally just became his him processing it was like uh it's like i think i knew trust my intuition because i think i knew kind of um talking about it and the EP pretty much channels this journey of like from breakup to reconciliation. So um, it was quite special because I got to work as a songwriter and applying my own, like I've broken up before. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know how crap it is. And whilst I wasn't like 
in that space, it was able, you were able to bring in your own experiences and also help support someone through something like as music as therapy or processing. And um, that was just really special because we had, we had been collaborators before, but I think it was a really a fundamental point of like us just being like friends, being like, oh, like as a human, you're going through something big and just starting again. And like, let's, we're not making music as Woods or the Cat String Tangle, we're making music because that's the way that throughout our whole lives we have processed anything that's crap. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And so that first EP, it's, it's really, we felt it was special and wanted to release it. And we had talked about having a duo for a while, like just as like, imagine if we did this. Yep. Um, and this was really, it was like these songs, I think they could be heard. And yeah, I didn't know if they'd be heard because they're so vulnerable that it was like, it really wasn't my choice. Like it I, I was like, I think they're great, but like sometimes you can just have stuff just for you. Um, and yeah, and some of the songs didn't make it on the EP, I guess, but the ones that we, yeah, we're like the, the very special songs. And now we've been working on sort of an album, you know, a bit of a leak. I've <laughs> 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 got that, those two scoops yeah. of uh, knowledge, every ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like an obvious, <laughs> you know, step. I need this. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's been really good because literally since we've started releasing, I haven't seen Danny, and um, and he's had a son, oh, and cool. the son now like six Danny? months. Yeah, I know. And so it's like I literally there is a six-month-old baby that is like the ruler that shows the amount of time that has passed since I have seen Danny. Because that's not an interesting way to put it. But yeah, I, I guess you're a right. <laughs> a young ruler. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> just in one day to take up his yeah, father's yeah. place. <laughs> Yeah, the young prodigy. Um, yeah, I feel like when I finally meet him, he would like be walking up to towards the door and be like, "Hello, madame." Like this old gentleman. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Sir Kite of Tangle is here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, finally gonna go see him. Oh, like in next week maybe. Sweet. Wait, what, what day is it? Uh, it's twelfth today. Yeah, like literally next week. That'll be great. Ah, good stuff. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, so, what yeah. are the what were, as you what were some of the differences recording as a duo as opposed to a solo star um as a solo i mean it's just like you are like is this good and then we both are like yep and and also there's that thing that i was mentioning before where it's like i'll sing something and i'm like oh man my voice broke or my voice wasn't good enough or something where you're like ah oh, you know go again we're both i think pretty throughout this process i think it's been a good amount of letting go of those things because we create we produce and create a lot of stuff in isolation in our own studios by ourselves so when you're around someone else if danny does something and it sounds like he's about to cry or something um i'm like that's so amazing like please leave that in and his gut instinct might be oh no like i i let my guard down or like i my voice can sound better than that just so you know so i'm gonna redo that yeah. and yeah. and like the idea of leaving in these moments where that's why I like bjork's music or even like adele where you're like oh man there are bits of that where potentially it's so guttural or like this you can feel the the heartbreak or emotion that's but yeah right. yourself exactly right i i'll just for, for like from just from my perspective i i just i'll just take your version Mr. Brightside say, you know, mm. it, you can tell that it's raw, emotive, like it's it's got this ethereal sound, like you can definitely tell that both influences, you know, mm. 
you know, you've got that ethereal sort of, I describe it as angelic sound. And then Danny's sound is like, you know, he's got those synthesizer prowess. He's used the midis and stuff before. And as it's gone in, um, it was nice to hear like a song that I've loved for the longest time you know, mm. and to have it stripped back, slowed down and just have it mm. sung from a perspective that will just, this is just uh, as a fan, uh, fanboying, I suppose, uh, just to have it break down and have some of your artists, favourite artists do something in a different way. I was like, you know what, this is, this is vibing on me. And it made mm. my top uh, songs for the, for the year, like mm. that Spotify last week did the um, breakdown. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, legend. Thank you. And yeah, I, I think, Doing, doing covers can be good as well because you're like we were working out our sound and you know like you, uh, in we don't miss the bright side. Oh, how long I'd wait was that number one on my list. Oh, so what? that's so cool. Thank yeah, you. it was. Uh, sorry, I sorry to interrupt you. No, no, that's great. That's <laughs> that's so lovely. Thank you. That's I right. love how long I wait. I really miss playing that live. That's um yeah. It's just I one of those songs where you like write it and you're like, can I really keep this? Like. But this has come down from some special place. I really like it. So, but um, so we'll finish things up shortly because I know time is 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 like important to us, and we've got things on. But what does the next twelve months look like for you and and Danny and going forward? What's Woods got coming up in twenty twenty two? Oh man, that's that's all the chats that I'm having here. Um, I suppose the really the really exciting thing is that I've been making so much music and just getting back into like I've been a little bit quiet on socials and things because I've just every day I've been in this room um just writing and writing writing and like I've uh I think the great thing about uh writing a lot is that you, it starts to free you up where like some days it'll be like an okay song and other days you're just like whoa like again like am I am I allowed to keep that that's so that that's a really I don't know and also processing because it's just been such a heavy couple of years of like, yeah, of course yeah well, especially in Melbourne yeah um you really have to think about what you what you want and what like what you miss um for me like I really really miss live shows because without that human contact and that human uh just dialogue like seeing people singing along or seeing people's eyes light up yeah. um that makes it all real. Whereas if it's just you in your own little space, putting out things and getting sent numbers or data or whatever, that's like not why I do this at all. Yeah, like it's that's not, like it's not about the the likes or the analytics and stuff. No, and it's yeah, and I like the real special thing, like seeing your top songs. Like that's so that means everything because mm. it's like out of all the songs in the world, like I'm truly honoured that you you care about what i'm making and that it's part of your soundtrack like that's just the best bit and oh then you're welcome it's it was natu- it was it was easy because it was like as i said it was two artists that i was already already vibing and then like mm-hmm. obviously with how long i'd wait it was just it was always going to be there and um yeah i don't know it just it was similar for me like i haven't really had a chance to say this on an episode because i haven't um uh, mentioned it after i've got the analytics too but I've got yeah, I've got fans out there too. I I charted in five countries, and I had a people from twenty six countries are listening. So thanks everybody. I, oh, that's so good. Congrats. Thank you. It's yeah, I, I'm not one to 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 brag or whatever, but it was nice. It, it's nice to get that feedback, and um, so I, I formed like sort changing, of yeah, change the dialogue. You're not bragging at all. You're celebrating. 
I am. And Italians every- are so funny where, like, if we're in America, we'd be like, yeah, like, check it all out. But, like, in Australia, it's like, yeah, that tall poppy thing. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so well, good. Like, actually, when I spoke to JD and Turk or Donald and Zach, um, mm-hmm. I described myself as a dickhead. And I'm like, you know, self, self-depreciation is, is like, for me, it's more accepting because I use it as a tool for humor and I'm breaking through. Like, oh my God. They're like, no, nah, man, you should be like, I am this shit. I run this town. It's like, and there was an interesting, uh, like just difference there. But after I explained to them, they're like, oh, okay. It makes sense. I've just been Australian is, is what I was mean. Just to be a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a tricky balance because I get that it can be relatable, especially when you have a place where you can talk vulnerable, like you can have those vulnerable conversations where it's mm. like, oh, I, I feel this way. And other people are like, yeah, I feel that too. But it's also like not to the point where it's like bringing you down, like as long as you know, like what, what you're doing with that word, those yeah. words or, or whatever, I suppose. The power of good editing it. helps. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. so also, I mentioned it before. Um, there's a, a group out there known as the Woodlings, and the Woods is fan base. And um, is there anything you'd like to say to your to your Woodling groups? Or um, I've, uh, I've included some of their questions. I put a so what I did this day was put out a post. Oh really? Anyone wanted to, and I got I got three questions, and I've put them in there. So I hope I've done you all justice. Oh nice. Well, I felt like I was going to comment on that post and be like. Number one, when is new music coming? <laughs> Number two, where are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm so grateful to the Woodling community, and it really grew last year through the Minecraft and streaming project. Um, where it's just yeah, feeling connected to this group of people that really believe in what you do and and find um, find connection or find themselves in in the songs it's it's a really special part of my job and it's something that yeah i i just really miss is is being able to catch up after the shows and being able to travel and and see what what places you guys call home um yeah i can't wait to get back out and and um i'm honored to see that the woodland community is growing even even though i've been a little bit quiet for a bit but i think it just all had to had to just be quiet for a moment so that i could just let the dust settle and be like okay I'm ready. And um, 2022, man, there's so much music. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's the woods. It's the woods era back again. Woods is the and, goods, um, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting back into it. And I've got some really cool ideas. Sweet. Um, yeah. There's... Well, I'll be, I'll be looking forward yeah. to it. And also, as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll include links to Woods' socials, website, uh, the Discord, all that stuff. So get out there, uh, check out. Also, I'll include Tornado Clubs Thank ch- you. Uh, links as well. And, you know, check out their TikTok content, YouTube, uh, all the socials. And uh, mm-hmm. But, Woods, thank you so much for coming on today. And no um, I appreciate your time. Like, this is uh, – I'm still fanboying. It's like this is the best. Like, I love doing this. Uh, and, yeah, it's um, great. You're just so awesome. It's um, yeah, a really lovely chat. Well, hopefully I've done you some justice, but as always, everyone, thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now.